Welcome to another episode of the Along Come Norwich podcast, a cheerful saunter down the avenues of concern for Norwich City supporters. Today I'm joined by regulars Lorne and John, Hello. and our guest is Colo from Archant, but not the football bit. Oh, yeah. If you don't know about the Along Come Norwich website, then where have you been? Get yourself along to alongcomenorwich.com and read informed and sensible points of view, the perfect companion for a sandwich, tea break, or let's be honest, a medium length poo. On there you'll find a series of iconic t-shirt designs which when you buy them keeps the website advert free and let's face it, makes you look the daddy on the terraces at Carrow Road. We're recording the day after our heroic failure at the Emirates and we'll look back at that alongside the derby from 48 hours earlier. We'll also look ahead to the approaching Carrow Road doubleheader as fellow promotion sniffers Derby and Wolves both visit in the space of four days. We'll also take some of your suggestions for topics which you've been sending in via Twitter. But there's only one place to start and it's with the brave performance at the Emirates. Myself, Lorne and our guest Colo were there. So Colo, start us off by telling us how was your night? Well, I went into it with no expectations really. It's one of those freebies, especially after winning uh, Portman Road on Sunday. But it's always the way, like if we'd have been done 3 or 4 nil, then you look back on it and say, well, there was 9,000 was there, we had a sing-song, it was a good night out, but, it's, you know, as ever, being a Norwich and England football fan, you're left with a litany of what-ifs and if-onlys and... Well, let's go straight into the, the if-onlys. The one we were talking about before we pressed record uh, was, uh, well, one of several big chances. So, Lorne, your, your hero, Mario... Um, he wasn't so super when it came to putting away the game's clearest chance for, to go 2-0. No, that bit was poor. But up until then, it was brilliant. As you said beforehand, he sat two people on their arse, a whole goal opened up, just put it in the net. And he tried to blast it. And I think that was probably the moment where the players kind of felt like that was our chance. And you sort of felt a sag a little bit after that. And then when Arsenal equalised, we really sagged. And you knew then that that was probably that. John, was it curtains for you as soon as the equaliser went in? Yeah, absolutely. I just, the missus, because I was watching it on a, a less than legal stream, I would suggest, the missus kept saying, what's the score, what's the score? And I was like, 1-0, one 1-0. Nil, one nil. She was like, fuck's sake, really, Norwich are beating Arsenal. And then as soon as it was 1-0, I was just like, we've lost, I might as well turn off the stream. Which I didn't, obviously. Obviously but- it, it was. It, it did feel like a collective, exhausted... I mean, so sometimes there is a really vibrant on the ball city just after we concede it was one of the least heartfelt <laughs> renditions it was kind of going through the motions and i was like this kind of volume never mind the danger kind of oh it's gone isn't it which is a shame but going back on the theme of if only's that the penalty which some people say oh you made contact blah 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 the thing that angered me most and Colo, who was two or three seats down from me saw this firsthand He'd done the hard part. He didn't need to go down. If he hammers that ball back across goal, the likelihood is then you know we're taking it to penalties. Yeah, so, but was it a pen? Let's it, have that. It debate. didn't look. It didn't look a pen from where we were, and it was right in front of us. Okay. My instinct was pen, and I've tried to be as objective as I can. Yeah. Um, but you know, I, my instinct was, but without a replay, I wouldn't nail my colours to the mast either way. It was one of them, I think, where if you if you don't get it, and it's your player who goes down, you're furious. If an opposition player goes down like that and they do get it, you're furious. Yeah. Yeah. So it was pretty borderline. I think a bigger problem with the referee was I think he actually got the big decisions right. I don't think it was a red card for Eleni. No, it was a corner. Yeah, absolutely. It was a corner and 
It was a debatable penalty. The assistant gave the corner for the goal. Yeah, I think it definitely yeah, he ruled him, didn't he? Yeah. yeah, and the uh, Mick Dennis actually made a, an interesting point on Twitter. With, I mean, he's always good for chipping in on, on referee matters. Um, and he said that the, the direction in which husband threw himself wasn't the direction where the contact naturally would have taken yeah. you. And from my kind of visual memory as I was driving, so I remember most of the game, um, it, it, that's, he's hit the nail on the head there. And, and that was why I was screaming at, at husband for not staying on his feet and, and clearly flailing himself to the ground to try and get something. I think it's, t- it's a tired legs decision, that, isn't it? It's yeah. the way he fell. And if he'd have fell instantly, if he'd have got the contact, if he'd have realised Debushi's arms across him, if he goes, falls in the right way, it's a penalty, no doubt about so it. So we need to do falling um, training between now and, and Saturday. For sure. That's our message to Farka. Okay, so um, I, I think we'll, we'll round off the Arsenal view, because obviously we are out of the competition now. Um, but the final thing I want to say on is, is something that I tweeted earlier in uh, earlier today, which is how proud of the performance I was and how actually leading us into the other game we need to cover, uh, the scum up the road, we actually played a lot better on Tuesday mm-hmm. night um, than we did again, against the filth. And I left last night's performance feeling more like we're going to win the league than I did uh, after kind of following the game on Sunday. I didn't actually get it down to get down to Portley Road. Um, on Sunday I don't know if anyone else feels as, as positive as I do after that performance last night well, I spoke to an Arsenal fan about it and he just effectively said well you nearly beat our reserves and I I don't know I think there, there's an element of that however you have got Olivier Giroud playing you've got Jack Wilshire, you've got Walcott you've got Elneny they've got players who feature regularly Cockland's in first, first team yeah absolutely yeah. Um, but they've made 11 changes but I said well actually the leveller on that is you've made 11 changes we've played 90 minutes of football high intensity football you know 48 hours prior to that so you know I, I think that's that's a nonsense argument but yeah. there's loads of it didn't really matter who Arsenal played like, in terms of personnel because Arsenal play the same way every week they keep the ball and they work you about and the, yeah. the most pleasing thing for me was we played two hours of football last night on the back of quite a draining game against Ipswich on Sunday and we didn't really concede a chance in open play. We, what we did was execute a game plan perfectly, and that game plan was sit deep, be tight, and break. But I think we don't get the quality of chances that we created last night if you've got a Koscielny at the back or you've got a Merseker at the back, because ultimately, I mean, Murphy's goal was terrific, and the ball from Madison, the way it's timed, the way Murphy bends his run and then collects it in his stride, you know, dinks it over the keeper. Well, but the tackle from Tommy Tribal to, to launch Madison is why yeah. I, I don't agree with that you wouldn't get it against Koscielny because my point is it doesn't matter how good a centre-back you are all of a sudden there's a turnover of possession all of a sudden the ball's through but I think they track that run better and I think positionally they're probably a bit more aware and switched onto the danger when it happened so and also you know it's the quality of chances perhaps Francic's I'm not sure he dumps you know a Koscielny or a Mertesacker on the backside as easily as he did I think it was Rob Holding and one other so um, there's definitely positives I think we were really really good I think if we get six points against Derby and Wolves I'll be on board with you saying we're going to win the league we're going to win the league I, I, the, the, thing, the thing that makes me so confident and if you remember the couple of podcasts ago when we, uh, we were talking about you know our fifth heading for our fifth clean sheet in, in a row, etc. And it was just the, you know the green sheets of pro, shoots of progress were really coming along. Um, I was nowhere near as positive as I am now. But what the the thing that really did it for me last night, I was thinking about this driving home. We are so annoying to play against. And again, go on your point, Lorne. Yes, they whoever they put out, they're going to have the ball more than us, and they're going to move the ball technically brilliantly. And the last time we were in the Premier League, we would have got smashed by 
um, Arsenal's third eleven, let alone their second eleven. Um, and I, I think it's that. That's the thing for me. We are so frustrating to play against. Well, you made a very good point earlier on when we were talking before we press record that essentially last season in that sort of game we might have had good moments but the second we lost the ball up the field your heart would be in your mouth mm-hmm. and you think oh we've conceded it Whereas, well we were before the first international break weren't we like, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly the same. you no longer feel like that you lose the ball now and as you say you, you look around and someone's filled in a hole and there aren't those huge gaps appearing anymore because we're so much more tactically disciplined the shape, the shape is there and that's clearly something that can't have been worked on because it's you know n- none of us have got um, a masters in football, um, but we can see how obvious the, the difference is. I mean, it, it just cannot have been something that was coached as in such a concentrated way as now. So let, let's reverse slightly backwards to the glorious um, win up the road. Um, we don't need to spend too long on it because they are just you know another championship team that don't mean anything to us. Um, but the one the one thing that I will throw in their salty bitter direction is the first half. Um, was probably the best I think they've played against us in eight years. You know, I think they actually looked like a half decent team, and you know, went very close early on with whatever his name is. who scored the last two times last season. Knudsen or Knudsen? Oh, Something like that. We don't. We obviously yeah. don't have any. Thomas. Foreign, we don't have any foreign players on our team, so I'm not used <laughs> to pronouncing the names. But that left um, back guy. Yeah, that yeah. guy. Um, but yeah, the um, I, I I did actually. I wasn't worried. Um, but I was I was thinking actually this this could actually be a challenge a draw might be you know a fair result. Yeah. Well, it was their cup final, wasn't it? Yeah, of course it was their Super Bowl. <laughs> and they're, they're world champions of Ipswich if they if they win that game. And I think a lot of I think what you're saying is is fair to a point. But I at half time because uh, I was watching it on Sky, the pundits were very anti Norwich in terms of Norwich aren't playing well, Norwich aren't creating anything. It, it's all Ipswich. And I felt at the time I was quite comfortable with how we'd played because, yeah, they'd had a few chances, but their chances had all come from smashed clearances, essentially. Long the, balls to wag the down dropped the right side. to someone. Mm. And it was either like a headed clearance that had uh, fallen at their feet or it was a pinball in the box that had dropped to their feet. And I didn't really think that they were really creating much that wasn't fixable. Yeah, half time. Yeah, but we needed half time, I think, to fix it. Yeah, anyway. but we did fix it. Yeah. And at the same time, I don't think we played much better second half offensively than we did first half. We created similar chances, mm. but Madison took his, mm. whereas um, a couple of people in the first half, including Madison actually, pulled a couple wide. Uh, Vilcher had a fairly good chance where yeah, he just drove it, it wide. He really should have done a lot better. Stieferman had one on his right foot that he smashed wide. And they were fairly similar chances to the one that Madison then took. Colin, any final thoughts on the scum before we move on? None on the scum. No, nothing to say about that. Lot. <laughs> okay, yeah. no, no, just enjoy your mid-table mediocrity if you're lucky enough to get that high. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I think they, they might be likely looking at a 15th, 16th place. Um, so moving on, we've um, we've reached out to the Twitter sphere, and John, we've had some fantastic suggestions for debate this week. Yeah, so we've picked the best three questions that we've had from Twitter and Facebook, um, and all three of those will win exclusive Along Come Norwich Alan Partridge stickers. So if you are a winner, and we'll read you out in a moment, then um, get in our DMs and we'll let you have them. But the first one, lads, to debate is Tom Shelton on Twitter, who says, do you think Pritchard, who I believe was our best player of last year, will get a chance in this great, hard-working team? That is a really it's good question, I think. It's a, it's a no, tr- I think it's a good question. That. It's a good question. But it's he doesn't walk into the team anymore, does he? 
Well, if, if let's let's put ourselves in a position that he's fit for Saturday. Um, who who are you dropping? Wes. Well, he didn't start on Tuesday. Well, I don't think you drop him. And I don't think you drop anyone. I don't think that after so long out, Pritchard's going to walk straight back into the starting eleven. I think you've got to phase him back in gently, 15 minutes, 30 minutes. He's too valuable an asset to risk another long-term injury. We don't have the League Cup anymore to, no, <laughs> to, to give him some important minutes. As much as it pains me to say, I think Vrancic is the guy who you swap him out for. Mm. Because yeah, I agree. Vilchuk and or Murphy yeah. are our whip and our pace. And Vrancic is our pretty technical player on the ball mm-hmm. and that's what Pritchard will be but a slightly more direct and the tricky one now though is Madison is one of along with Tribal probably the first name on the team sheet right now if you're going for strongest 11 I'd say anyway um, and he's, the, he's in the 10 role now Pritchard's flourished in the 10 role at the back end of last season do you have to play him in a 10 and then accommodate Madison around that perhaps as a more deep line midfield player I don't think that's going to work Mm. Or do you have to fit Pritchard in around that and actually he's playing in a wider role? Well, going on the back of Collo's point of giving him the last half an hour, you're taking Madison off at 1-0 and yeah. replacing him with someone you're confident is either going to kick things on even yeah. better. I think that, that Pritchard's slightly you know, more maturity in terms of the number of league appearances he's made. Um, I think he, he therefore would probably be more capable of being effective on the left or the right yeah. of, of a three. Bear in mind, yeah, he's played wider before as well. Yeah. Like when he was at Brentford, I think he did. And yeah. Also, I think Madison is perfectly capable of playing a bit deeper. He's not scared to tackle. Obviously, he's not a kind of box-to-box engine player like Drivel is. But he's actually there have been occasions this season where he's actually had a deep line roles, picked the yeah. ball up behind the back four and waltzed out with it, and he can make things tick there. That was yeah. one of the issues with, with Hull, wasn't it? Where, um, he, he seemed to change position halfway through the, the first half, and that coincided with when we stopped playing good football. Well, I think home games with against sort of mid to lower table opposition, you can maybe sacrifice one of those defensive midfielders, and instead of Teddy and Tribal, you have Tribal and Madison, and then Pritchard comes in. I don't think he walks straight into the team, but I think he will get back into the team. I think he'll be in a position where he will walk into the team, you know, down the line. So, Do, I mean, the way that Madison's been playing, I can't believe that we're not even in November yet. But he, for me, he's probably now our most um, our best player. I mean, in terms of the, the damage that he does, uh, Tribal, I agree, is 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 kind of first name on the team sheet um, alongside Madison. Mm-hmm. How much of it with Madison is form, and how much of it is you know actually no, he's made it at this level yet. That's the sort of thing that we'll only know in kind of two three months. And what you know, one of the good one of the good questions that did come in was about you know what might happen to him in January. We we deliberately decided we're not going to talk about transfers and stuff because. That's just asking for injuries, etc. Yeah. But but what, I think that the key with Madison is if he is still doing this sort of mid December January, the same sort of form, then yeah, basically I would love to see Pritchard back in because wow, how how interesting to watch those two if they're both on fire together. But I think Pritchard can play t- to the right and it'll be him, yeah. Josh, Vrancic in and out because we yeah because I, I think picking up what you said, Lorne, I think not only is Josh and and, and Yannick our our pace. There is a directness, particularly with Yannick. I mean, yeah. he is basically head head down, Bang, shins down. and knees, yeah. And, yeah. and and we re- you really need that, particularly at home when maybe we're getting a bit frustrated with how slowly things are being developed. Um, and but I think Pritchard will bring an element of that. I think he will. I, th- you know, it's been months since I've seen him play, but he did do things more quickly. And I think even in this Farker system. He will spread the ball quicker, put his head down, step over, and push the ball past. Which Madison doesn't tend to do. He does his turns and yeah. tricks, but they tend to be to open up space in order to play someone in. 
Whereas Pritchard's tricks and flicks are to go past a man. And I think he's, Pritchard sees things quicker, so the reason he appears to be faster is because he's seen it and he's already moving in the direction or shifting the ball in the direction that it's to make that killer pass or it's to shift the play on quicker. And that was the criticism of Vrancic that we talked about in the last podcast, was he doesn't do it quickly enough and he does dawdle on the ball sometimes and he can play that killer pass. Sometimes he was off the ball as well, that's yeah. the problem. And that languid style that he has, you know, from a fan's perception point of view, isn't going to endear him to a lot of people, especially those kind of tub thumpers who like 100% commitment and passion all the time. Which So you like no percent commitment, don't you, Lorne? Because you love Mario. I don't think it is 0% commitment. <laughs> I think I agree with Andy in so much as he is slightly committed and um, slightly committed <laughs> he's fully committed that's, that's the next uh, t-shirt hashtag slightly committed yeah, yeah. there's quite a big difference I think between being committed and looking committed yeah, and just because you're looking committed doesn't mean you are committed and that's the point I'm trying to make but he doesn't have the urgency of a Pritchard or a Madison or a Wes that when they get on the ball they are looking to play very quickly Cool. Okay. Next one from the next one. All right. So it's Graham Johnston on Twitter. So he's said he's asked us: Are there any concerns about overtraining and under-rotating given injury concerns and the depth of the squad? You don't change a winning team, so no. So Nelson, 120 minutes last night. Discuss. I think Jerome's got to come back in on Saturday anyway. I think Jerome gives you. It's a difficult one because obviously, you know, and the clamour has always been Nelson's got to play, he'll score yeah. a goal a game, he's a natural striker. But if you watch what Jerome does off the ball, how he links up with the play, you often find that Oliveira's kind of, you know, drifting, wandering, occupying places where other people want to move into. Yeah. Whereas Jerome does all the selfless stuff into the channels, phenomenal hold up work, turn of pace. Just selfless team yeah. player, and I know that if you if you started them both for forty six games, then Oliveira would score more goals. But if you look at how many chances will be created off off <coughs> Jerome's running, I'm not saying he's a better striker than Oliveira. I'm just saying they're yin and yang. They're very different, and you know they they complement each other nicely as uh, to rotate. If Cam came on on the eighty first minute. Last night, I think we win. Uh, I agree. Yeah. Hindsight's a beautiful thing, but I agree. <laughs> it wasn't hindsight because I was shouting it from about yeah. 72nd minute. I mean, I, I don't um, think German, yeah. so far I didn't listen. I completely agree. He'd have, he'd have, for one thing, he'd have been on the front post for the corner that we ultimately conceded from, and he'd have done a better job. He did some terrific defensive headers on yeah. Sunday, didn't he? And he does, yeah, he does bring that. I think it's Oliveira and the Jerome debate is a similar thing to Pritchard Madison in terms of. In certain games, Oliveira is the better striker to have because you're going to get a couple of chances because teams are sitting really deep and you need someone who's clinical and they're going to take that chance. But in a lot of the games we play, and especially away from home, Jerome is the better option. Well, mm. I think we, if we go back to the original question from Graham, um, he's talking about are we under-rotating, perhaps are we over-training players and, and does that play into injuries? And I guess my point is with, with playing Nelson for 120 minutes, there was absolutely an opportunity to him last night yeah. you know, regardless of when it was with it was the 95th you even get extra substitutions in the competition yeah, yeah, and still didn't do it a point of controversy but he had Farker has tended to do that because he's taken the cups absolutely seriously and some of that I think was perhaps about building cohesion and building a togetherness and the, you know team ethic and getting people playing together but you know, we've lost Teddy to injury. We don't know what if that was an impact injury or if it was a you know kind of a slip or whether that was due to overtraining. So there have been a, a number of injuries. You think is that going to be an issue that comes and bites us on the arse down the line? Possibly. 
Sorry, and Tetty's injury prone anyway, yeah. I think. Uh, there was a big concern, I think, that right in the first few weeks of the season that there were a lot of like muscle injuries and mm. things being picked up. And Farker had said right from the outset how hard he trained them. He trained them like even on the morning of matches and the friendlies, I think he said. He was yeah. like really, really pushing them hard. And, they went and back. I think now, all it, sorry. sorry, all I want to say is I think now it's a case of whether that additional, you know, really hardcore training over the summer has made the players better equipped for a fixed schedule like this to keep playing Tuesday, Saturday, mm. Tuesday, Saturday, or whether we're going to start picking up injuries next few weeks and then over Christmas we'll see, you know, or we'll be able to get a better picture of what that training's done, whether it's completely knackered the players out or whether it's made them all yeah. fit for purpose. I agree and I think Farker said actually an interesting thing I think it was last week and it struck me as really interesting because it seemed so counterintuitive to all the sort of talk you usually get about players playing too much, you can't play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday um, Farker said a big part of why he sets his team up to keep the ball is it's much easier to play a game when you've got the ball at the feet in terms of fatigue and stuff. Yep. So you can play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday if what you're doing is possession football, is yeah. possession football, and I think that's quite an interesting point. Is I think Graham's right in that you could possibly have concerns that we haven't really rotated much in terms of substitutions and resting yeah. people. And last night was a good case in point of that. But I do think Farker seems to know what he's doing in terms of getting people ready to play Saturday, Tuesday, Saturday, Tuesday. My thought, my thought on on that in, in answer to the question, um, other than my first kind of flippant response, which is you don't change a winning team, which I kind of stand by, is that I think going back on what you said, John, it is partly to do with the fact that we needed to get together a, a solidarity and a pattern and a way of playing. We needed to change our form, um, and it, we might see slightly more rotation in the coming two, three, four weeks, based off the fact that now anyone who hasn't been in it regularly can see, oh, okay, this is how we play. Mm. This is clearly the pattern. And, and changing one or two here and there won't have as much of an impact as it could have done earlier in the season because actually the the, the other nine are so well drilled on we've got results playing this way, we will keep playing this way. So maybe he's needed to have a skinnier choice of player to start with or number of players to start with in order to, to, to really hammer home. And it's a great point, I think, because... Because James' husband has come back into the fold and he's looked faultless since he's come back in. He was terrific last night. Really, really he, he, had a shout, he had a shout yeah. of man of the match Along, alongside Zimbo. I think he was he was, he was Absolutely. terrific. Grant Handley comes in against Tips, which I thought he did really, really well for, what was it, 20 minutes that he was on. He came in came in for Zimmerman. 90% head, Grant Handley. 90% head, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's fair enough. As yeah. long as he keeps getting his head to it, it's no yeah. problem. But, you know, so I think you're right. That's a really good point that actually you can keep the core the same, but you can now start to tinker around the edges. We've got a lot of people coming back from injury. Russell Martin has done a lot with the 23s. Could he potentially come back in? Stephen Naismith sounds like he's getting close to fitness. And although a lot of people don't rate him, Farker always seems to mention him when they go through the injury bulletin as one of our important players. So, Well, for the third third podcast in a row, I'll bang the drum for Naismith. <laughs> I, I, I rate him, he's a winner. I love the mental toughness he brings. Again, if he was available, when you're trying to see out a game like that, yeah. and you need you need leaders on the field, um, and, and just gonna just a minor tangent tangent because I wanted to mention it during the Arsenal chat, and it was only last night. Um, talking about leadership, I don't think Zimmerman's far off getting that armband. You know, mm. I mean he he was um, he was clapping his hands and lifting people up and 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 giving closer a volley of abuse when he went. <laughs> missing for the goal yeah. um, and 
and yeah, I, I think one, as soon as Evo has to take a rest, or you know, I'm not, and I'm not Evo's biggest fan. I know he's been playing a lot better recently. Yeah. Um, but yeah, for me, if if we haven't got the club captain on the pitch, for me, Zimmerman is is, is the next in line. Yeah, I think that's a really good shout. And actually, I had the the benefit, I guess, of watching it on the TV last night, and you could see every time there was a set piece, he was the man organising them. He was the one showing all the way down the line, spinning, telling people their jobs, telling them when to step up. So yeah, I think he was in with he was in with the fans as well last yeah, night after that. the game. Gave, gave his shirt to a shirtless chap in the in the, in the front row. I think that was just to stop him getting hypothermia. Um, but uh, um, yeah, I mean he's in some decent shape. He's basically a triangle with arms that bloke. But um, he gets it. You know, he, he really gets it. And and the fact that he is our player rather than Loney or whatever is, is is terrific. He looks like he could be our a centre half of this club for the next ten years. Yeah, like, and yeah. He's, he's already just, he's already been Farkas captain. Um, yeah, Bristol Dortmund too. And I think you know it's interesting to think like we've still got six million pounds worth of centre back that can't even get in the team in Hanley and Franca I would be really surprised uh, I, I, I would have been less surprised if he'd have got the armband even before the turn in form than, I mean I was really surprised as I've said before about, about Pinner having the armband but but anyway um, let's move on to, to the last ACN um, listener question so the last one is from Andrew Parnell on Facebook this is a two-parter so I'll go with the part one first best away win you've ever been to and why for me it would be it wasn't actually a win, it was a defeat. It was technically a win. They can, they can, do, they can ask this. the questions, sure. they can't dictate how we answer. <laughs> <laughs> was my answer. Wolves away yeah. in the playoff semi final. <laughs> okay. Because that was having. So I followed, I started to uh, follow Norwich away from home. Um, my first ever away game was 1997. I went on a run where I went to, I didn't miss an FA Cup game for 10 years. Ten games, wow. And I went to 11 games. <laughs> Genuinely, I went to 11 games. Oh, I trumped on your punchline. I'm so you sorry, you ruined that. I'm so sorry, Lonnie. It shows there's the, no prep. This is no. not organic. <laughs> <laughs> what was that game we won? Uh, I think we drew one at a replay. Oh, right, okay. <laughs> that was that good? It was Bobby. <laughs> I went up to Bury and saw us lose 2-0. Um, but at the sort of end of that run, that was the first sort of successful season we'd had. And I went, I've been at Watch Norwich away so many times and we folded so often. And that game was the most intimidating home atmosphere I've been to. So it was the highest pressure game I'd been to. And they scored with 20, 25 minutes to go. There was a while left. And it really felt like when they scored, like, here we go again. This is it. The crowd are up. And we did not fold. We dug in. The atmosphere was sensational. And we we didn't give it away. We stuck (laughs) at it. And we won the game. Mm. Uh, Following on from the same kind of theme... Uh, my favourite ever away win is when we lost 1-0 <laughs> um, to, to, to Sunderland um, uh, up at the Stadium of Light uh, and uh, that was the, the Worthington season we went up to the Premier League we went up second and um, sorry we went up as champions and we, we already knew we were automatically promoted um, but that night West Brom were playing at Stoke at the same time yeah, uh, Daryl Russell Daryl Russell yeah. he scored the first one I think oh, yeah. really? um, he scored the first one for, for, um, for, for Stoke um, Carl Robinson, next Norwich, scored for yeah. uh, scored yeah, for Sunderland, and, and we lost one 0 But um, it didn't matter because it didn't. It was one one of those circumstances where they had to have three points, anything other than yeah. three points for them, and we could lose, and we 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 basically won the league. Yeah. Um, and because of the way that the <clears throat> West Brom were were losing so early, um, that we just had pre- pretty much the whole of the second half to just sing that West Brom were losing, and and we weren't. What what I always remember is how little we sang Norwich songs, and we just kept singing. 
3-1, West Brom are losing 3-4-1, West Brom are losing 4-1, because we couldn't believe that we're Norwich, but this is yeah, happening, yeah. and we're away, and we're winning, and we're like 1,500,000 miles from home. Um, but anyway, that's, uh, that's my best away memory. It's, and, not, it's not a win. And linking nicely into that, my favourite um, away win, I'm actually going to pick a win, um, was the away <laughs> game after yours, Tom, um, where we went to Watford. So we then won 2-1. I think it was Leon McKenzie definitely scored. I can't remember who scored the other goal. But because of the mood, because we'd just been promoted, everyone had bought a ticket because they thought that was a crunch game. It was just a party. It was inflatables. Norwich fans in the home end who bought tickets as close as they could possibly get to the away fans. And it was awesome. Just a sea of yellow and green, balloons, inflatables, everything. So it's definitely mine. Colo, can you come up with another one on the spot after Lorne stole yours? Um, probably, I can't remember the exact year, it's the first away league match my dad ever took me to actually, it was midweek, I'm guessing probably around 94, we won 3-0 at the city ground against Forest and that was like yeah, my first experience of a Norwich away game and I was allowed to like, start really late and didn't get back till the early hours of the morning and had to go to school the next morning, so that was pretty cool and then I remember at 3-0 there was a Forest fan who just like ripped his shirt off and threw it on the pitch and I thought that was brilliant. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that'll might actually be something that's worth worth us looking into um, as, a, as a siren goes past the podcast studio. Um, there might be something that's worth looking into because I, I was actually thinking just as we were talking about, are we all going to come up with, with losses here because, or, or, or times we've loved a game when we haven't actually won? Bayern Munich 1-1 one, one, is one of my favourite ever home memories. You know, I didn't win the game, yeah, but obviously yeah, it meant we went through, etc. So... Um, yeah, that might be something we should look into. Okay, well, thanks everyone for, for, for giving us um, those suggestions. There's a second part to the question, and I'm just trying to find it, but it was along the lines of, I haven't written it down, sorry, Andrew. It was along the lines of, who looks better in a Parker, Liam Gallagher or Daniel Farker? Daniel Farker. Daniel Farker? <laughs> yeah. Daniel Farker and his magic Parker. Song, 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 song. Um, speaking of songs, um, something that we didn't bring up, uh, but we need to, the Tommy Tribal song is superb. Um, it was... It, it, it got going properly at Portman Road, uh, but it really got going at the Emirates, and there were times when we were actually able to, to really get, get it going across probably six of the eight and, a, eight and a bit thousand. But for anyone listening, and we'll, we'll retweet this as well, because we need to, to, need to make, spread this about, when you get to the one, two, three, four bit, it really should be Einstein, Dry, Fear. If we're going to be German, if we're going to in, embrace that, and actually screaming, Einstein, Dry, Fear, at the top of your voice at the Emirates last night, in context was actually really quite fun. Uh, Plus I'm trying to learn German so it'd be really helpful for me. Yeah, so you're all helping Lorne every time you sing that song. Yeah, um, but the one thing I actually did think was in the first 20-25 minutes we actually had too many fans to get a good song going and, and it got me thinking about like it's so weird that you think oh the more there'll be of us the louder we'll be but until we scored we didn't get a really really good solid together rendition of any of our songs because they're all little pockets and not everyone's going at the same time so actually we did have too many fans that was that was what held us back from from our choral society last night oh you're watching Ipswich Town yeah that was terrific that was terrific <laughs> I, 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 I don't think they were while we're on chance um, I just want to mention one other one because I think it needs to be spread about as much as possible and that is uh, the new James Madison song that's been doing the rounds a little bit on Twitter this week Mainly because I just hate Madison, Madison. It's awful. And this one, to the tune of uh, Mary Poppins, A Spoonful of Sugar, just a handful of Germans helped James Madison beat town. It can't be better than that. <laughs> it's got to catch on. I tried one to Bon Jovi's um, Bad Medicine oh, yeah, as well. Yeah, that's quite a good one. I just, the, the Mary Poppins one. If you can't bring 
Mary Poppins in a football chanting. You're not doing it properly. That may well be today's podcast title. Okay, um, so moving on, we've got some interesting uh, games coming up, but um, uh, which will take us up to to Halloween. Uh, first, we've got the visit of um, Derby um, promotion sniffers like ourselves. Uh, we'll keep it fairly brief. Uh, so obviously, we've talked quite a lot about about uh, about Arsenal. And we don't want to bore you too much, but I'm personally quite worried about that I always worry about playing Derby there's I just they're one of those teams that I kind of begrudgingly respect because I can't ever really remember us playing them and them not giving us a real mm. hard game yeah, I'm normally an optimist and I'm, I agree I'm a bit concerned about Derby for two reasons one I think Ipswich and Arsenal has taken quite a lot out of the legs and I wouldn't be surprised if there were some tired legs and tired minds come Saturday um, Derby are really coming into some form they've Recently beat Forest in their derby, so they're up. They followed that up with a good win against Sheffield Wednesday, and I just think this is this is a game where the odds are kind of stacked against us. We're meeting a form team when we're tired. They haven't won away for a while. They're stronger at home than they are away. But I think you know that's the biggest. You know, when you're talking about us winning a league, I think that's the big hurdle we've still got to overcome, which is how we break down teams that come to Carrow Road and defend. And you know, I can see it being a draw on Saturday. Well, they don't score a great deal. That that is one thing. And, and they're coming up against a team who don't tend to concede a lot. I think you've been chatting, haven't you, Andy, with one of the um, Derby County blogs. Uh, their shape of their season seems to replicate ours in so much as they'd started trying to play some expansive football. You know, they'd found that actually perhaps that's not fit for purpose in the Championship unless you've got real quality. And so they've started to take the Norwich approach of being a little bit more robust about having battlers in the team. So I think we are in for a real test on Saturday. I think, yeah, it'll be a bit of a war of attrition. And oddly enough, I'm more confident about beating Wolves on Tuesday than I am Derby Saturday. Even though they're top. Yeah, because I think Wolves will come at us. Yeah. And we're better when teams come at us. It would be silly if they did. And we can be solid and then hit them that would be tactically naive to, to come at Norwich is tactically naive until, un, unless it comes naturally to you and we've kind of huff and puffed and run ourselves out a bit like we did with Hull um, or you're Arsenal and you have the ability to yeah really, you know you're going to keep the ball really but, do it but yeah. I think I'd, I'd quite happily I, th- I agree that take six points from the next two and you might be right we might go and win the league yeah. but I think four points from the next two is a real good return yeah, but I mean, I'd, I'd snap your hand off now for for that. I mean, oh yeah, absolutely. But yeah. but but the same by the same token, I would take two draws um, and just continually playing as solid as we are. What the the, the big test and something that, that John said earlier today. Um, the big test is uh, and a couple of your articles um, is if we if we do lose one. So for example, if we go down on Saturday. Um, do we then immediately bounce back on Tuesday and show confidence, or do we then think, oh God, our brilliant run? Because let's not forget, we haven't mentioned the fact that we're still unbeaten in the league mm-hmm. for seven and a half years. You know, we we are we, we're going great guns in the league, and um, we we it is a little bit of a worry that you think will our confidence suddenly become fragile when we think, oh no, it didn't work against against Derby if we get bullied off it. Oh, I don't I think, think so, based on like the huddle and stuff from last night, yeah. and I know that's quite a tenuous thing to go off, but. They seem like they're really together. And they're listening to Farker. And when you listen to Farker's post-match comments from last night, it's all loads of praise, you know, kind of really proud of the lads. I think he's going to keep that, you know, kind of fostering that togetherness. So. He seems to have stopped hanging people out to dry as much post, yeah. post-match because he could have gone on. He did mention that we missed some big chances last night, but I remember a couple of pods ago we were talking about him hanging Murphy out to dry for missing two big mm. chances. Um, and last night, Murphy missed a much easier chance than he scored. 
I, I think you know, the, yeah, the, the, way, the yeah. one he scored he hit that, he hit that first time mm. which I didn't realise because it was right up the other end to us yeah. I didn't realise until I saw it um, in the I want to say Vestavial but I think that's from on a train isn't it concourse that's the one <laughs> <laughs> so in, in, yeah when, when I was on the Vestavial concourse um, I, I saw the replay at half time and I didn't realise that actually yeah that was his foot he took one touch and that's just such it's early, relatively early in the mm. game when you haven't really had much of a sniff that's, that's real calm head and when he had lots of touches and he had the opportunity with you know what nine ten yards out, um, but he he's for, for me really since he's had this last little break out of the team, the you know the last couple of performances he seems to really be at it now. I think that comes back in what we said earlier on, and that people kind of know their jobs now, and he knows when he comes on what his job is, and he does that job, and he I think he played pretty well yesterday. He tracked back really well a few mm. times. He got a few like claps on the back and pats from people where he'd stopped across or yeah. Yeah, and I think that's a that's a really good sign. Yeah. I think you compare it to say Wilkshire when he came on against tiring legs, and he just was continually trying to do too much, knocking it too far. He's just like pro Evo player some <laughs> of the time, isn't he? Yeah. Cool. Okay, so there's one more point we want to make about Halloween. Oh yes, so I I saw a good question asked on social media. So as it's Halloween coming up, as you say, um, what's the scariest thing that could happen to Norwich City this season? Everton sack. Steve Walsh as director of football and come sniffing for Stuart Webber. Oh, shout. Um, I would say, uh, at the moment, an injury to, to Madison. Yeah, oh, I was going to slot Wes in. And... Well, I was going to go along that route, and it's Wes related. So, this is the last season of Wes, isn't it? Now? Yeah. yeah. No. So we, we, well, but, I refuse to believe but it. But given the, the emergence of Pritchard and Madison, do we have to now start slowly accepting that this is. And well, the, the fact that he can't get in the team in his position yeah. and, just that it is. Here. and the fact that Cantwell made the bench recently as well yeah. like he's the next in that line isn't he of talented little number 10s I, yeah. you know, we've got lots of quality but that still scares the shit out of me that a Norwich without Wiz is that just because you realise how old it must make you well I'm older than Wiz yeah but I, I mean, it doesn't doesn't but, get the shit out of me as much since we've no, signed Madison. Yeah, I know, but you know, it's, Norwich is or Wes is synonymous with Wes Norwich, Norwich in the past decade. I mean, yeah, so twenty-five years season ticket, and so nearly half of that Wes has been obviously. Yeah. Uh, and my memory's better in the most recent ten years than when I was younger. So, um, f- for me, he's 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 easily the best player that's ever played in, in my time of, of watching him. He's the only player's name I've ever had on the back of my shirt. Um, because I don't really tend to do that but I was worried that last year might have been his last year which is why I, I did it last year um, although if Tommy Tribal signs a contract I will go out and get my his name on the back of my shirt the very next day I don't like any of the shirts this year which is why I haven't bought one yet um, but I, I had I, a Cuckoo I 7 on the back of my scramble leg <laughs> shirt was that after his was that after his, his uh, four goals against them? Uh, it was before that oh you were, you, were, you were sort of I, like, I, like, I just like the exotic glamorousness of having a player that had a name like a cuckoo I just... yeah. on the subject of talking about horrendous injuries to some of our favourite players I don't know why I'm doing this but for me it would be a very serious injury to Angus Gunn who's been absolutely immense yeah good shout mm, that would be bad yeah that wouldn't that wouldn't be ideal um, <laughs> especially because of, of what we've got behind him um, we wouldn't have still been in the game last night if it wasn't for Gunn he was yeah. absolutely colossal that he first save he made was brilliant and, and he gets it as well which is why I would love Man City to um, so I mean I'd, I'd like Southampton to finish the season strong I'd like Man City to, to do fantastically well um, and therefore we when we go up at the end of the season we've got the opportunity to have Gunn Reid um, because I, I mean I, they're, they're, they're loanies that I've, I've taken to those two 
Um, Gunn, for me, it's not that much of a sentimental thing because Brian Gunn, for me, wasn't. He's not one of my heroes. He, I never really took to him, and you know, he's a decent lad and all the rest of it. But as a player, as, as ability wise, he was never really. For me, it's just longevity. Like I respect Seriously? it. Yeah, I, I respect. Loved him. Oh, he was one of the best keepers I've ever seen. Fine, Norris. that's absolutely yeah. fine. But for, <laughs> but for me, Fraser Forster is ten times the goalkeeper Brian Gunn ever was. Oh, I'm with you, Tom. But I'm I think that's that. partly for me in that. I started to watch Norwich. Well, but then, see, I saw it, sorry to interject, Andy, but I think I saw him in that 88-89 season, and that was one of my formative seasons as an Norwich fan. That's fair. That's the thing, you're a lot older than us, so when I started watching Norwich, you're a lot older. 27 years older than us. A different generation. (laughs) When I started watching, Gunn was then coming right to the end, and then there was Andy Marshall, who obviously we no longer care for. No. But then there was Rob Green, and Rob Green is a hero. Yeah. It's not a sentimental thing, he's just... He's got that that same sort of arrogant air about him. That video of him in front of the Ipswich fans at the end of the derby on Sunday, where he just stood there with his arms out. Yeah, yeah. Like, he gets it. He, he yeah, completely he gets, gets it. it. He completely gets it. And and that's the thing. With, I think with we, we talked about this. Um, we, we talked about this in some of the across several of the writers on Come Norwich before the season started around um, how before we knew how, how things were going to go. Norwich fans will give Norwich players and the team a lot more backing when we feel like they give a shit and you will and that was what was so good and, and that was written about brilliantly in, in one of the pieces that we did um, on Long Come Norwich where we were talking about retrospective seasons my favourite season etc um, the one about the you know, that Lambert League one season team rejects and, and people <laughs> the people no one want and the rest of it and they weren't all brilliant and you know Michael Nelson bless him um, was, was in that team and, and all the rest of it but we loved them because you thought you're decent lads and you care and you genuinely yeah. seem to want to put a shift in and you're delighted that you're at a club as big as Norwich and it's only because we've dropped down to League One that you've ever had the chance to play in front of 20 odd thousand people and when you get that and, and Tribal gives you that impression if you see what I mean Gunn gives you the impression he's like yes finally I'm playing proper grown up football you know and Zimmerman you, as well coming from yeah. the German fourth tier yeah he doesn't look like a player who's coming from the German fourth tier at all does he he looks like someone who's stepped up and is loving it and fit like just fits in. I remember Madison's been out on loan to two different clubs, and he's been at Coventry. You know, he's he's just cock of the walk at the moment. Isn't he? Quick, quick question, because I was surprised by this because I looked it up. Um, does, does, do any of you guys remember how much we signed James Madison for? It's a really weird, like yeah, staggered fee, three, like two and a half, million. three, and then it rises. It can raise to ten, I think. I'd read. Yeah, it's three, it's three million. Yeah, I think it's got to do with something to do with England under twenty-one appearances, but he's, he's got to be on the cusp of that, though. England under twenty. Well, I can't. He's, he's only twenty. It's frightening how good he is. Um, but anyway, we've got to stop talking about in case other directors of football are listening to our esteemed podcast. Um, of so, which they definitely are. I'd be, yeah, of course. Guaranteed. Um, ni- nice to speak to you, Stuart. So, um, <laughs> please return my call. Um, give me a trial. So, let's finish off with the Long Come Norwich quiz. Um, where is the league table, Lorne, that we were promised to? It's on the podcast page. Yeah. Is it? Straight away. the first thing he did because he went to the point. I, yeah. I must have missed the 17 tweets a day I expected to come to. And he skewed it with yeah. cumulative scores rather than, you know. No, I didn't. I did no, uh, I top score of the week. No, I, yeah. Top score of the week. I'm still top. doesn't matter. Anyway, once you two have finished, um, we're going to crack on. So um, the format of uh, the Long Come Knowledge quiz is that the guest goes first, then the two regulars have a go. You have six questions to answer. You have a minute to answer them. Each incorrect answer you give, I'll move on to the next one and continue to go round um, until uh, Lorne says time. So as the guest caller, you go first. Um, today's questions come uh, cover Grant Holt, managers, this season's stats, and the summer transfer window just gone. 
So things that you should all get very, very easily. And <laughs> I've actually prepared a tiebreaker uh, this week because I'm expecting such high scores. So if that hasn't jinxed it, like <laughs> you and your Angus gun injury, nothing will. Treble zeros all round now. So Colo, your time starts now. Who did Grant Holt play for directly after Norwich? Wigan Athletic. Correct. Who succeeded Martin O'Neill as manager? John Dean. Incorrect. Who, alongside Wes and Yannick, has made five league appearances from the bench this year for Norwich? Josh. Incorrect. Who inflicted Norwich's heaviest defeat in their last Premier League season? Man City. Incorrect. Who was Tom Tribal's last club? Addo Den Haag. Correct. Who was the second player to leave the club in the summer after Kyle Lafferty? Pass. Who succeeded Martin O'Neill as manager? Mike Walker. Incorrect. Who alongside <laughs> Wes and Yannick has made five league appearances from the bench this year for Norwich? Steeperman. Incorrect. Who inflicted Norwich's heaviest defeat in their last Premier League season? Liverpool. Time. It's incorrect. I would have accepted had you got it right. So you got two. Is appearances Oliveira? Um, from the bench, no. Oh, edit that out. Okay. <laughs> so, um, so let's go through. You got the Grant Hall played for Wigan, got that very quickly. Martin O'Neill was succeeded by Gary Megson as manager. Um, Wes, Yannick and James Husband have made five substitute appearances. Um, Norwich's heaviest defeat, they conceded six up at... Newcastle. St James's yeah. Park, that's right, 6-2. Uh, Tom Tribal's last club you got in Haag, um, and Graham Dorans was out the door after Kyle Lafferty six days nice. afterwards. Okay, so two out of six, which um, in previous weeks will have won well, it for you. That's got a chance. Not awful. So we're going to go over to uh, John, as defending champion Lorne can go last to defend his title. So John, your time this week starts... Now, against which team did Grant Holt score his first Premier League goal? Chelsea. Correct. Who succeeded Ken Brown as manager? Dave Stringer. Correct. Behind Josh, who has the most League Cup goals this season? James Madison. Incorrect. Name one of the teams Norwich kept a clean sheet against in the last Premier League season. Man City. Incorrect. Who was Marco Stieperman's last club? Bochum. Incorrect. Who did Michael Turner join after Norwich? Ooh. Southend? Correct. Behind Josh, who has the most League Cup goals this season? Where's Hulahan? Incorrect. One of the teams Norwich kept a clean sheet against in the last Premier League season. Pass. Who was Marco Stieperman's last club? Oh shit, I don't know that either. Behind Josh, <laughs> who has the most League Cup goals this season? Marley Watkins. Incorrect. One of the teams Norwich kept Time. Okay. So you got to three quite quickly. Yeah, and then just... Impressed with that South then. I don't think anyone knew that Michael Turner still existed. Um, so well, just to run through the... Um, so either of you two, Colo or Lorne, want to have a go at who's got the most League Cup goals after... Dave Stringer. I'm sorry, that's the, <laughs> the answer beforehand. That's what happens if you're reading and talking at the same time. Dear, oh dear. Uh, behind Josh, he was the most League Cup goals with two. Nelson? Mario Rancic. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Norwich kept a clean sheet yeah. against West Brom, Villa, Southampton and Swansea. Should have got Last time they were in the Premier League. Marco Stiepman's last club, Ruther Firth. I was never going to get that. 
Well, yeah, I wouldn't have got it, but then I have to set the questions and not answer them. <laughs> so, you've got to get three to take you to a tiebreaker, Lorne. Four to defend your title successfully. Um, and if you're ready with the timer, Mr. Timer Man, your time starts now. From which club did Grant Holt join Norwich? Oh, um, uh, Chesterfield. Incorrect. Who succeeded Gary Megson as manager? Uh, this is going well. Mike Walker. Correct. After Angus Gunn, who has made the most appearances in the league this season? Zimmerman. Correct. Name one of the teams Norwich scored four within one match against in the last Premier League season. Uh, Newcastle. Incorrect. Who was Marco Steeperman's last club? Uh, Bochum. Correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, uh, who did Tony Andrew join after Norwich? Uh, Dundee. No. Um, uh, what club did Grant Holt join Norwich from? Shrewsbury. He's done it. Uh, after the uh, name one of the teams Norwich scored four within one match against in the last Premier League season. When did we ever score four? Uh, did it twice. Time. So well, you, four out of six of the ones that you got wrong, we scored four against. Watford. And oh, of course, we um, four too. Yeah. Um, I still don't know, no. Oh, Liverpool, Liverpool yeah. there you oh, go. God. Uh, and obviously there's quite a big assist for the Botcham. I know. <laughs> the Botcham I know. Oh, Tony Andrew anyway. went yeah, off to yeah, Coventry yeah. on the 11th of August. Did yeah, he? Yeah, yeah. He went to, like, Dun- was it Dundee on loan he had? I think it was It was someone up north, wasn't it? Uh, it I, he, I think it might have been a trial, but in terms of from club to club, he signed for Coventry after us. We'll call it half a point. We won't. Uh, we'll call <laughs> it four out of six. So okay. congratulations. You, well you You can now go on cumulative and you'll be even further ahead. Okay. Um, please go on to alongcomenorris.com and read the articles as they go throughout the week. Um, tweet us your thoughts on the podcast. Can you please rate us on iTunes? Say nice things, say nasty things. As long as it's got five stars, we're not too fussed. Um, and we will look forward to speaking with you in a couple of weeks. So it's thank you very much and goodbye from Colo. Cheers. Thank you very much and goodbye from Norny. Ta-ra. And see you later, John. Bye. Thanks a lot. Bye. It was